Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And our text this morning will be two short verses, verses 23 and 24. So trusting the Lord, if all things go well, we will finish the book of 1 Thessalonians next week. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 23. Listen to Paul as he writes the inerrant word of God. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will bring it to pass. There ends the reading of God's word this morning. Join me in prayer before we go through our text this morning. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your word, and we pray this morning again that your Holy Spirit would teach us, that he would illuminate the truths to our hearts, and that we would be receptive to these truths, and that we would live them out. And so I pray this morning that you will build your church as we are changed in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we recognize more of your glory and that we might worship and love you more this morning i pray in your name amen paul is ending this book and he is really beginning to uh to we would say wind this book down as he gives his conclusion and as he as he finally gives that final thing that he has to say to the church and in many ways, Paul is beginning to, to tell them some things that they need to know. And, and just like any conclusion to a letter, Paul doesn't just give them information and just say goodbye, but he loads it with theology. And Paul is doing that because if, you've, if you have ever had tasks given to you, and you recognize that you have a massive task to do in a short period of time, there's a tendency for you to say, it's too much. It's like, you give me one job, I can do that. You give me two jobs to do, I can do that. You give me 10 jobs and I don't know where to start. You give me 30 jobs and you're just completely overwhelmed. And you are just like, I cannot do this. I don't even know where to start. And for many of us, instead of starting and picking a job and just doing it, we tend to sit down and we, we, we look at it all and, and we sit there in panic and we do nothing, right? We pull out the ice cream and we look at the list and we're like, what do we do? <laughs> As you can see, I have had a, a few, few of those moments. But there's a tendency to be overwhelmed. There's a tendency to think I can't do it all. And if you look at the book of Thessalonians, Paul, after giving them a greeting and calling them and, and, and really calling them to remember his ministry among them, has begun to give them tasks that they need to do. And he started to give them a bunch of exhortations and a bunch of, of, of things about their faith that they, they were short on and things that they weren't practicing. And he, he began back earlier in chapter 4, and he had called them to abstain from sexual immorality, to get away from lustful passions. 
And remember, we have a congregation that is coming out of paganism and, and sexual immorality is really part of religion. It's a part of a lifestyle. And Paul says, just stop. And you can imagine that the Thessalonians at this point are going like, wow, uh, how do I do that? How, how difficult is that? Just, just snap my fingers and I'm, I'm different? God's called us to, to, not to impurity, but to sanctification. And then he says, now, as to the love of brethren, I don't need to write to you anything, but actually I do. You need to love your brethren more. You, meet, you need to actually love those around you more. Stop, lead a quiet life, don't be contentious, don't be a busybody, work with your hands, get a job, be busy. Stop panicking about the future, stop panicking about the day of the Lord. I want you to start appreciating those people that in your church and recognizing your leadership and appreciating them. Those, those ones, remember the ones that you didn't really want to follow because after all, who are they? We're just a new church. We've been here for three or four months and you want, who does that guy think he is? So now he says, actually, I want you to follow those who are true leaders in the church. Recognize them for who they are. Love them for their office. Get to know them. Here's what you need to be doing, brethren. Admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. I think it's probably help, much easier to try to help people than to be patient with them. But again, here are things that we need to be doing. Don't repay evil for evil, but do good to those who persecute you. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. Don't quench the spirit. Don't suppress prophetic utterances. Examine everything. Abstain from every form of evil. Starting to get overwhelmed yet? You can start, certainly feel how the Thessalonians are starting to feel. Right? They're, they're born under persecution. They're getting... They're getting trouble from the outside and Paul is saying this is how you have to behave and Paul has stressed throughout this book that they are to be sanctified to be set apart for God right it's your sanctification that you're called to do be holy be set apart and you can see how the Thessalonians at this part are starting to say it's impossible. It's impossible. I can't do that. I can't just stop lusting. I can't just stop being angry. I can't just start loving a brother who just annoys me to death. How can I follow that guy? I grew up with him. I know who he is. And as Paul closes here, and as he comes to the end of this, with all of these demands to, and a call to be sanctified, all these instructions concerning holy living, he concludes with this prayer here, a prayer for their sanctification. And Paul will say, 
I, I want this for you and I pray this for you, your sanctification, but I want you to recognize something. Your sanctification ultimately is not dependent on you, it's dependent upon God. Say what? Yes, your sanctification is ultimately dependent not on you, but on God. In other words, Thessalonians, don't panic. This is what God has intended for you and he will fulfill it in you. Now, for some of us, we just went, I can take the foot off the gas. I don't have, if God's doing it, I don't, I can just sit back and relax. And we have a tendency within the church to fall off on two sides of this log. We either think, well, I have to be sanctified and I will do everything that I have to do and I will grab my bootstraps and I will pull myself up. I will, through holy sweat and self-effort, I will be good enough for God. Or we fall off on the other side. After all, I'm saved, once saved, always saved, right? God loves me. He loves me the way I am. We'll just coast. We'll just coast right into heaven, right? And Paul says, no, actually... That's not the way it works. We know that we are called because he's just called them to do sanctifying behaviors that there is effort on our part. In other words, we have to be the ones who put ourselves, uh, we have to put effort into it. We have to put ourselves in a place to be sanctified. In other words, we have to be under the, the word of God. We need to be filled with the word of God which, and filled with the spirit. And that, the idea here is, is that the Holy Spirit takes the word and makes it so part of who you are, it becomes the fabric of who you are. So that doesn't mean that we just take our foot off the gas and do nothing. There is something that there is a requirement to place yourself in a place to be sanctified. I was trying to think of an illustration of, of this, and we must recognize that, that ultimately God is the one who sanctifies us, but that doesn't mean that we don't get into the place to be sanctified. The cookies don't get cooked outside of the oven. You have to put them inside the oven. We have to get ourselves inside of the oven so that the Holy Spirit works on us, just like the heat on the cookie. And it takes that dough and it changes it into a what? A cookie. Fellowship luncheon. Okay. <laughs> so there is, there is a responsibility on our part to place ourselves under the Holy Spirit and the Word. But the actual sanctification itself takes place and is a work of God. And so as Paul comes here and as he prays for their sanctification, he really gives us three things about sanctification that we must recognize and we must know. We see the source of sanctification and in that the extent to which we will be sanctified. And then thirdly, the assurance of sanctification. And he gives us all three of these ideas here in our text as he prays for the Thessalonians. The source, the extent, and the assurance of sanctification. Now we've touched on, on it a bit, but we will start with point number one, the source of sanctification. 
He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. So he says, now, I've just given you all those exhortations. I've just called you to, hold, to live a life of holiness. I've told you that this is the way that you are to behave as a believer. But I want you to be assured. He says, now I pray for you. He says, now may the God. And again, there is this, this language here would give you the idea maybe that Paul is just hoping that God would answer his prayer. It's like he's, he's throwing up a request. He's really hoping God will do it. He, it's, it's a wish of his, but he's not sure if God's going to answer it. Now, it's interesting because when the pagans would talk, when they would pray to their gods, this is exactly what they did. They often would be, knew that they would rebuff. They, did, they, would, they would pray. They would try to get themselves in good standing with their God. They never knew if he was going to answer. But for the New Testament believers, when we ask God and we pray and make requests to him, and again, this is a polite request, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't understand that God will actually answer it because he, as he prays according to the will of God, he knows that God will what? Fulfill the will of God. And so Paul is not, is not sitting here in, in a in a sense, throwing up a Hail Mary and hoping it gets caught, he recognizes that God will answer this prayer. So he says, now may the God of peace sanctify you. Sanctify you. Well, what, we've talked about sanctification, but what do we mean by sanctification? Well, there are several aspects to Sanctification. We know that there is positional sanctification and there is progressive sanctification. And sanctification at its roots means simply to be set apart from sin and consecrated to God. When we came to salvation, we are consecrated to God and we are separated from sin. But as we continue here on earth, we recognize very quickly after salvation that we're not perfect. Sorry, I'm glad you were were seated. seated. Right, we recognize that there is still sin in our life, that there is still a struggle in our life, and we continue to sin. And so we begin that process, like Paul said, of filling in what is lacking in our faith, and we start to live in a way that is pleasing to God, in obedience to God, in our lives and we begin that process of progressive sanctification where we become what we are in standing in practice and so paul says i want now i want the god of peace to sanctify you i want him to continue to work in your life to bring you into conformity to the image of the lord jesus christ i want he he says God will do this. In fact, I pray for this, and God is the one who can do it. He's the one who can literally change you. And I think this is a, we, we recognize that this is a Philippians chapter 2 issue. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not only not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
How? Why? How can that be? Here's the explanation for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, God is working in you. God is working to produce in you sanctification. He is working in you to make you Christ-like so that your behavior follows who you are inside. He is producing the fruit of the Spirit inside of you. And he is the one that does that. He takes the word of God, the Holy Spirit. He illuminates the truths of the word of God. And he so, he so convinces you of that truth and he so makes it part of your, your fabric until your convictions are built upon it. You start to act upon those things. And so there, this is what Romans chapter 12 talks about, the renewing of your mind. The way you think ultimately will decide how you feel and how you behave. And he says that is a work of the Spirit. That can't be produced by anything that you do. And we've been discussing this lately. This is why we need to be in the Word of God. And I'm not talking about reading tons of the Word of God, reading it from cover to cover, reading 14 chapters a day. I'm talking about digging into the Word of God, thinking the thoughts of the Word of God, struggling with the Word of God until we understand it. And that is the process by which the Word of God transforms your thinking. It's a little bit, if we read four chapters, we'll be lucky to remember what we read a week from now. But take a short section and chew on it and ask it questions and and mull it over and it becomes part of who you are. It becomes part of your thinking. And it is the word of God through the Holy Spirit that changes the way you think. And this is the process of sanctification. When we spend all of our times, all of our time reading about the Bible and not reading the Bible we are actually short-circuiting God's intent for our lives because the Word of God is alive and breathing and we are skipping the very thing that can change us. How many books have we read that we know are from false teachers and they start, if you read this book, it will transform your life. No, it won't. Only the Word of God has that claim. And so we need to be in the Word so that we are filled with the Spirit and transformed by it. Don't short-circuit it. Because God uses the Word to change you. And this is what His work in you. Now Paul says this, Now may the God of peace sanctify you. That's interesting. Isn't it the little words that that, that pique our interest? Because why doesn't he say the God of love? The God of righteousness, the God of holiness. But he says what? The God of peace. Interesting, Paul. What on earth, why would you say that you want the God of peace to sanctify you? 
Well, the answer is simply this. That God is the one who produces peace between ourselves and himself. In other words, the beginning of sanctification starts with God setting you apart for him. He's the one through the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ has provided a way for us to have peace with him. And it is now through his sacrifice on the cross that we now have peace with God. In other words, as Paul said at the beginning of this book, if you look back in Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, grace to you and peace. He separates those two. He separates those two because grace is the cause of what? Peace. In other words, God's grace in extending and the, the offer of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ came by grace. He extended it by grace. He gave you undeserved mercy and grace through the Lord Jesus Christ through his call of salvation. And guess what? Now you have peace with him. You don't reach to God. You don't reach across the chasm and the divide that is between you and God. And you reach over that chasm that is made by sin and reach Him and say, God, I want you. God is the one who reaches across by grace and extends peace to you. And Paul says, listen, Thessalonians, I want you to understand right from the hop. The reason that you can be sanctified is because he extended grace to you and he sanctified you and set you apart for himself. Because apart from salvation and apart from spiritual life, there is no sanctification. You can do all the good works you want. You can do everything that you want that is morally correct and it is not pleasing to God. In fact, Romans would tell us, the more good stuff you do to please God on your own, you're actually producing wages for yourself, which is God's wrath on you. You're not pleasing to him. You're angering him and you are giving yourself a wage of judgment. And so Paul says, God is the one who what? Through, the, through salvation is now able to what? Give you sanctification in your life. You can't have progressive sanctification without the peace of God that he's given to you. And so he says, listen, the source of sanctification is what? God himself. He's the one who will transform you. He's the one who will change you. And it's not something that you can do. He must do it to you. Well, Paul goes on and he really now gives us the extent of sanctification. And again, it's fascinating to see the the words here. He says, now may the God of peace sanctify you. Why doesn't he just stop there? I, I, I want God to sanctify you. But then he adds this qualifier, he adds this adjective entirely. Entirely. 
Why couldn't he have just stopped? Why couldn't he have just said, may God sanctify you? But he says entirely. Not just some, not partly, but entirely, wholly. It's a compound word made up of, of the word while, or in, whole, I mean, or entire, and end. Its basic connotation is wholly attained at the end, reached to the intended purpose. And it has the idea of no part being unreached. No part of you being unreached through and through. And Paul is saying that God's intent for you is that you would be sanctified in every single part of your life. Not just some of it, not just parts of it, but all of it. And you say, well, why would he have to say that? Well, there's a tendency for us on our part to say what? Leave me alone, right? Maybe, maybe I'm a little loose with my tongue, but look, at, look what I'm doing over here, right? I'm much less angry than I used to be, right? And I've always struggled with my tongue, and that's really just who I am. You need to just back the truck up a little bit and give me some room to me, for me to be me. And there can be a tendency for us to pick the areas in our lives that we want to work on, and then we say, let's just, let's just keep this little closet for me. I like this little area of pride. I like this little area of lust. I like this little area where I'm not so good with my tongue or with my pride. Let's just leave that alone. And Paul says, God's plan for you is to be sanctified what? In every single area of your life. In other words, God wants to sanctify you thoroughly through every single piece of who you are. There's no pet areas that you get to keep for yourself and say, this one's mine. And so Paul says, I, entirely, completely, thoroughly. God has not called you to be partially sanctified, but in every area. In fact, he continues on and, and, he, and he again reiterates this idea again in the next verse. As he says, I mean, in the next part of the verse, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's interesting because now he lists here three parts and he says, I want your spirit, soul, and body to be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, the idea here is to be, to be completely preserved, all of you. And, and the idea is that the parts of you, will not, each part of you will be brought to maturity. If I was to have a, an animal, you want all of its parts to be developed properly as it grows to maturity. And he says, I want every area of your being to be what? Developed to where it should be. Now, it's interesting here because 
soon as we come to this spirit, soul, and body, there's the automatic debate about human nature. Are we three parts or are we two parts? Is he saying that there's three parts of human beings? Or are there only two? Well, I would suggest to you that these words that are used here are often used for spirit and soul, are, are used interchangeably in Scripture. Oftentimes one says soul, one, sometimes the author says body, speaking of the inner or the spiritual part of a man. Now they may have a different emphasis. Some people would say the soul is more passive aspects, the spirit is more active principle. But there's nothing in Scripture that has us laid out outside as a three-part being. There are lists where sometimes human beings are called to love the Lord the God with all their heart, with all their soul, all their mind, and all their strength. There's far, are we four points? Are we two points? It would seem that Paul here's emphasis is not to try to tell us so much about who we are as human beings, but to, to t- talk about the totality of who we are. And so I would understand that if you want to know where I land on that, that we are a dichotomy, that we are two parts, we are spiritual and we are physical. After all, disembodied dead are described as both souls and spirits in different places. Both of them are, are, are description of, are connected with emotion, joy, rejoicing. And so Paul, but we want, even as we do that, we want to recognize that what Paul is doing here is saying that God, he wants God to keep us and to preserve us in all that we are as humanity. And so as he says that, then he is saying, listen, you need to be careful what you do with your body. You need to be careful what you're doing with your body. In other words, this is the new part. Before he, he, he spoke kind of your sanctification, and we always think spiritually and inside, and yet Paul is saying, actually, all of who you are as a human being is to be sanctified. You, the, in other words, you have to be careful what you do with your body. We know this, that there were those who taught that the body was something that was dirty, something that was less than. And so there was the teaching at that time in Gnosticism that actually your body was what? Didn't matter what you did in your body because your body, it, was, it only mattered what you did in your spirit. And Paul says actually God in his program for sanctification includes your body. In other words, what you do in your body matters. You can't say, well, guess what? It's just my body engaging in sin, not my spirit. My spirit's set apart for God and my body is, is just doing what it does because it's still flesh. Paul says, actually, how you behave is important. God is intending that you, in every area of your humanity, to sanctify you. And so Paul says, listen, God's 
program of sanctification for you covers every single area of your life and everything about you. Everything about your humanity He has the intention of bringing it and keeping it and have it fully changed. And he says, how does he preserve it? How does he keep it? Without blame at his coming. In other words, he says, I want you to live. I want God to continue to work on your sanctification and keep you in the path of righteousness so that when you come, you are living in a way that there cannot be an accusation made against you. Now, it doesn't say perfection, but it does say direction. And it says that you are living a life of holiness in such a way that you are without fault at his coming. And again, speaking here of Christ's return, speaking of Christ come as he comes for the church to take them to be with him. And he says, here's the reason I want you to for God to keep you because there is a future where you will be with Christ and I want you to be what? Without blame at his coming. Now we know that we ultimately will be without blame because when we shall see him, we shall be like him for we shall see him face to face. And so Paul says, recognize the thoroughness in which God wants you to be sanctified. There's nothing, in other words, Thessalonians, God will work this through in you. He's the one who will be working it out. Recognize that you need to have his power for this to take place. And so Paul prays for this, and he wants to encourage and give them consolation that guess what? It's achievable. Sanctification is achievable. We will not be perfect this side of heaven. But the continual work of sanctification is achievable because God himself is working on it. He saved you for that purpose, to sanctify you. And he will not stop until he comes again. Well, then Paul gives the assurance here in verse 24. Of sanctification. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will bring it to pass. Now Paul says, Faithful is he who called you. In other words, this call here, and the, and the word call, when it's used outside of, of the gospel, is always God's effectual call to salvation. This is where he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And again, he didn't call you to come out of darkness into the light. He called you and you came. This is God's call to salvation. This is where Paul says there was this, the the gospel was preached, right? To the Jew, a stumbling block, to the Greek, foolishness. But what? To the called... It was the wisdom of God and the power of God. And he says, the one who's called you to salvation, the one that called you to himself by the gospel has called you to be like Christ. And he says this, he is faithful. 
Because you might say, well, it's one thing for Paul to pray for my sanctification and that God would keep me from falling away. But how do I know that maybe I'll achieve it and I might fall away? Maybe, maybe I'll get really close. And maybe I won't persevere. Maybe, I, maybe God will let me go. And he says, well, that's impossible. Why? Because God is faithful. God is faithful. He is reliable. In other words, when God, he's dependable. When he makes promises, he what? He keeps them. He doesn't just make a promise and walk away. He doesn't start in a direction and say, well, that's enough. He's faithful. His, and again, Paul here is appealing to the character of God. You will be sanctified. Why? Because God himself is faithful to the calling that he called you to. He called you with a what? A holy calling. He called you to salvation. He said in 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but for what? Sanctification. He said in verse 12, Just as you know, we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is what God has intended for you. He's the one who came and called. He's the one who said he would make you like the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, he will also what? Bring it to pass. God will bring it to pass. He's the one who will ultimately bring your sanctification all the way through. In Philippians 1, six, he said, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. He says, I've started it. I'll finish it. You must recognize that your ultimate sanctification and even the sanctification in your life as you work here was God's purpose for you. And that God will ultimately continue to work on that until you are perfected in your glorification. Paul said in Romans 8, for whom he for, did foreknow, he also did be, he predestined to become formed, conformed to the image of his son. In other words, he called you for the purpose of you being like his son. He didn't call you to be staying the way you are, and he promises you ultimately that all things work together for good for them that love God, for those who call according to his purpose. Why? Because he saved you, he called you to be the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will ultimately glorify you, and you will be perfect, perfected in sanctification. And so... Paul says to them, listen, Thessalonians, you may struggle in this life and you may struggle as God works in your life, and he, but he will continue to work on you because he has promised and he has set his character 
against this promise, and if he does not perfect it, then he is not God and he has lied. And ultimately, you must recognize that God is the one he will accomplish it. He will bring you to salvation, to your ultimate sanctification. And he promises to be working on you from the moment that you're saved to the moment that you're glorified in heaven. Jude says, now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. Paul says to the Thessalonians, I know I've called you to live a holy life. I know I've laid out a lot of exhortations for you and you may feel overwhelmed you may recognize that as you look at them and as you start to follow them, that they're difficult. And Paul says, I just want you to recognize that your sanctification is not only dependent upon God, but that, he, and that you must recognize it is through his power, but you must recognize also that he has promised to fulfill it. This is why as we look at believers, we always look for fruit because God says, I'm in the process of what? Changing you. I'm in the process of sanctifying you because ultimately you will be in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ and I will not stop working on you until that takes place. And so for some of us who struggle and we say, I'm never going to get there right? It's just impossible. Recognize, go to the source. Go to God. Go to the Word of God. Let Him work in you so He starts to transform you. Sometimes we're in in the business of doing instead of being, and we need to be who we need to be so that we can act like we should be. And then we need to recognize, and this is the hope that we have, one day we will be glorified. One day our, our sanctification will be complete. And so we should rejoice in that. Be comforted by that. Be comforted by the fact that we ultimately will see him face to face. One of the things that we tend to do is we tend to say, I, I'll never be perfect this, time, this side of heaven. So I, I'll just, you know, let's not get too excited about it, right? Let's, let's, let's you know, I, I, I can't do it. And the reality is, yeah, you can't. But he promises that he is working in you and that if you will submit to the Holy Spirit and the word, he will transform you. And let us not forget that it is God who changes you, not you. So spend time with him. Spend time in his word that he might transform you 
into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ, recognizing the hope that we have, that he is working in us to will and to do his good pleasure, and that we can live out our salvation here until we're taken home for his glory. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this prayer of Paul as he closes this letter and as he recognizes the need to affirm this church in Thessalonica. And I pray that we would take these truths that are revealed in your word and recognize that you are the source of our sanctification. That it is you that transforms us. That you want to transform all of us not part of us. And that you will be faithful to that task and that you will continue to work in our lives and you will make it happen and you will finish that work when we see you face to face and we look forward to that time. We thank you for this encouragement in your name. Amen.